god. Uh, hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of Often Beats. I'm your host, Clint. Um, today's episode, I actually want to kind of talk about something. Wow, I know, crazy. Clint has a topic? Crazy. Um, I don't know if I'm going to talk about for the whole video, but or the whole uh, show, but you know what? Let's just get into it. Um, there's not a specific thing that has occurred recently, at least of what I can think of, that connects to all this. But um, there is something that's I kind of think about in my daily life when I hear people talk about things. And it really is annoying and frustrating. People, everyday people, regular people, God, I hate people that use the term regular people, but people that are out here diagnosing people, making assumptions, and feel like they can identify and label a person based off things that they have told them, right? I'm talking about people that diagnose people with their trauma or people that diagnose people with why they are the way they are. Most people don't even know why the fuck the way they are. Why do you think because you've been friends with someone for four fucking years that you know who someone is and why they are the way they are? People are married with people for 30 years and don't know shit about them or at least anything of why they are the way they are. They only know from what has been shown to them, they only know what they have been around them, what they have been presented. I guess you could call these people armchair experts in a lot of ways, but sometimes that, that can have a negative meaning to it, and I don't mean to have a negative meaning, but I absolutely despise fucking people. I absolutely do. Not even being funny when I say this. I absolutely despise people when... They go on uh, dates with someone, right? And let's say someone is a shy person, right? Someone like me. I'm a fairly shy person, but I'm not a shy person in certain areas. But I can be. But if I go on a first date with someone, right? And I'm not sitting there staring their soul down like a creep. They're like, oh, he doesn't make a lot of eye contact, you know? That's probably because he's not confident within himself or he doesn't stare at me for eight minutes at a time with my eyes wide open and doesn't blink more than once every three minutes because he probably had this trauma when he was nine years old where he uh, stared at someone and they told him to stop staring and he's been like that ever since. Like They make these heavy fucking assumptions and projections based off their life experiences for why people the way they are. Not every green apple is like an is like a red apple, okay? They're both still apples. Humans are apples. But they could taste similar, but when you take a bite, they taste different for different reasons. And it really bothers me when people are out here Calling individuals, labeling individuals based off brief interactions, right? I don't think you got to know the world about someone to make a good guess. And you could kind of, oh, 
hmm, I've seen this before. Typically, people like this are like this. And that could be even be a slippery slope because you're just kind of making labels and assumptions and to make it easier on yourself to identify, is this a person to make my time worthy of or not? And you know what? You know, when you are out here making friends, uh, socializing, you know, when you are letting people stick their dicks inside of you, when you are letting them throw it back on you. You know what? Sometimes you got to cut through the fat. Sometimes quite literally. Sometimes you got to cut the fat just so people can take you serious. But what's annoying about a lot of people's interactions today is that people don't actually interact with people. They see some characteristics and they make heavy assumptions and they just assume that everything you do connects to something when you were 9, 10, or 11 years old. And obviously there's some truth to that to every extent. But sometimes people are the way they are because of shit that happened three months ago. There could be something that happened a year, two years ago, and they're 33 years old. And they used to not be like that, but something happened and it wired them to be who they are, for better or worse. Traumatic events or very uh, significant events can change someone completely. They really can't, obviously. But what's annoying and what's fucking Jesus Christ is the ones that are sitting there after one interaction with a person and they just have this checklist of things you are and this checklist of things you're not off of one interaction. And these, these people that just want to label people for their convenience, but the problem with that is that you are spreading a misnomer of an individual and you are giving yourself a wrong impression of an individual based off characteristics that you ironically wouldn't want people to characterize you as. You wouldn't want people to just label you in bullet points because people are not that simple. Not every person that is shy is one way. Not every person that is outgoing is one way. There are typically things that trickle with that, but there's a lot of people that cross paths in different areas. It's like, if you want to make it, you know, Jesus, why do I keep mentioning fucking politics? But, you know, like, just because you are on one side, you're in one party, that doesn't mean you can't believe in some and stuff that's on the other side. We try to make individuals, we try to make people simple to make it easier on us to identify and diagnose people, why they are the way they are in everyday life. We want to assume that people who aren't at the same quote-unquote level as us, which ironically, um, most people that don't, it's funny how people that don't have the highest expectations for themselves all of a sudden have it for everyone else. Um, I do find that very, very funny and interesting. People that are the most critical are people that are not critical of themselves and believe that they deserve full autonomy. You see that generalization I did? Because 
is that true with every single person? Probably not. But in my experience, people are that are always critical of other people. When they are being criticized, they are the most defensive and they are the least open to actually listening or to actually understand what people are saying to them. They get ultra defensive and they actually believe they are above your criticism. But when they criticize you, they want you to submit to their criticism. It's this whole whose dick is bigger type of thing. And what's frustrating, I know I'm saying it a lot, but what's frustrating about the way of going about this is that you are trying to make, you are trying to identify people to identify with your way of thinking and your idealistic way for why the world is the way it is. You want the world to make sense to you. So you put people in boxes, you put people in pigeonholes. And these are typically the same people that would say, I don't want to be labeled. But then you label people to, you know, make it easier. It's an easier message when someone asks, oh, why did you two break up? And you could be like, oh, well, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. Or she wasn't this, she wasn't that. It's easy just to label the things that that person did that that did or didn't do that make you feel like oh that's why it didn't work it's like no I mean it could be a part of why you guys broke up but uh could also be that you're just kind of a cunt to be around or that you're kind of an asshole if we're gonna say for the guy's side but it's so easy to just put simple labels on people And just say, you ain't shit. It's easy to put simple labels on people and just say, I know why you are not successful. I know why you are not smart. I know why you have anxiety. I know why you don't like being in groups of people. You don't like being in groups of people because probably in middle school and high school, no one accepted you in their group of people, so you never learned how to be around people. So the reason why you're not around, you're not good around people and you get very uncomfortable is because you never actually were accepted, so that's why. But don't worry, I can fix that for you because I identify that for you. It's like, or um, I just am more productive by myself and I don't need to feel the validation of groups of people to make me feel like I actually have good points or actually have an interesting personality because sometimes when you're in groups of people, it can actually saturate what you actually think about things. And when you are constantly relying on groups of people for validation and satisfaction and enjoyment, um, sometimes you end up, it's kind of like the group thing theory where you just start kind of you, your ideas start gravitating and you start, even without realizing the way you think about things, the way you correlate things, your the things you identify with certain things, you start, you start molding it the way that everyone else kind of molds it with you. That's why typically people that hang out in groups of people typically have very similar uh, beliefs, similar religious beliefs. That's why people that typically get married 
you're typically not going to see a very conservative, well, not conservative, but a very strong, devout Christian uh, marry an atheist. Because just even if they are nice people and they're not ill-willed, there's just a, someone is basically going to have to cut what they believe. That's not really something you can meet in the middle on. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure there's situations where that's happened. But it's highly unlikely. Someone is going to have to get rid of parts of themselves that make them who they are to accommodate someone else. That's just the reality of how that would probably work. Now, when you have groups of people that have to validate the way you think, that could be very, very dangerous for obvious reasons. Because it shows that you don't really have a uh, way to approve your own opinion with substance. I'd, my opinion, ironically, my opinion on opinions, right? Is one thing I've asked myself is when does an opinion not become your opinion anymore? And this will all tie together in some way. When does an opinion not become an opinion anymore? An opinion to me, when it doesn't become your own opinion anymore, is when you start dabbling in too many outside sources to identify and form your opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have backup data to approve your opinion, to make your opinion stronger. But sometimes if you have a strong, if you have a very specific opinion, you're probably just going to search out for statistics or data or whatever uh, studies and stuff to prove your opinion and you're going to ignore anything that may uh, counteract it, which that's when you start getting people that only see what they want to see and they ain't ready for it, only see what she want to see. Um, and the reason why that's very important when we're talking about people that just want to label people is that you just want to approve a miss a very specific way of what you already thought of that. You think every person that fits in this personality trait, the reason why they're like that is because they were probably this when they were 10 years old. And sometimes... People are just the way they are because they just are the way they are. They would have been basically the same way if they probably would have went in a complete opposite environment. There may be little things about them that may be a little different, but who they are from the core um, is probably pretty much the same. Like people that are typically more to themselves are going to, regardless of the situation, probably going to be more to themselves. There's not going to be high variation in that aspect. Like, it's not that you are who you are type of thing, because you can't improve things about yourself. You know, you can improve just about anything you want of yourself. But how much can you really improve of certain things? I feel like you can always make anything better than the original form, than whatever you naturally have, but... There's probably a cap on that. I'm not going to look like Phil Heath anytime soon or ever. And 
Could it be because I don't work hard enough in the gym as I used to? That's probably more likely the case, but there's probably just a realistic that. I'm not wired to give enough of a fuck to care about that. I don't, like, you have to have a special gene or a special personality trait. They care about anything. Most people do not care about, there's nothing in the world that, some people, there's nothing in the world they care about enough to even what some people care about one specific thing. Not everyone cares about shit. Some people care about absolutely nothing. And some people care a little bit about everything. And there are some people that care so fucking much about one thing in life. Whatever that thing may be. And they build their life around that. And typically those people are either at the top or at the bottom in society. Because they either have put all their eggs in one basket... And they have either achieved the highest goals or didn't work out and they wasted 12 years of, I wouldn't say wasted, but they spent 12 years of life putting everything in this, everything else went to the wayside and it didn't work out. And they're like 34 years old or whatever the hell and what now? Then they have to make a decision to keep going down what I'm doing or do I give up on whatever this is? Where this ties in with people that just want to identify people and just want to characterize people is that labels are very, very tricky. The idea of a label on someone is very, very tricky. There are certain labels, once you put it on someone, once you put it out there, whether it's to your friends, you put on the internet, and you're talking about someone, once you put a label out there, once you put a tag on someone, that will never leave them. Once enough people hear. It's like if you are someone that gets accused of rape, even if you're proven innocent, just the aura of being accused of rape will always stick with you. Because the assumption is like, well... Maybe he got off because of technicality of some court filing or this, that, and the other. Because it's not necessarily that something odd didn't take place. It's just you were proved innocent of rape in particular. But that will always stick with you. It's like uh, not to bring up the past of someone's. But like Mark Wahlberg. The dude's been trying to get a pardon to get a charge off of his criminal record for committing racially motive acts in the 80s when he was like 16, 17, maybe even younger, 13, 14, basically his teenage years before he got into acting and modeling and rapping and stuff. He's, I think he basically gave up on it in 2018 when he realized he's not going to get the pardon. The reason why he won the pardon off was... Not because, like, he didn't, you know, he admits to what he committed, the acts he committed. He takes ownership of it. He served the punishment, whatever the punishment was at the time. And he wasn't even trying to use, like, his celebrity to get it off. And, but, just having that attached to it, 
even if he were to legally get taken off, people know what they know. It's not something that a whole lot of people talk about, but people know about it. Um, but what people, but just having that stigma of having racially motive crimes attached to your name will always be with him. So as people, when you just want to come out here and just label a man or label a woman, a very specific term based off nothing you know a whole lot about. It's very troubling when I'm when I listen to people on podcasts who don't even have degrees in a lot of things. And the thing they don't have degrees in psychology. Now I don't believe you have to have a degree in something to talk about it. Or even talk about or be or have open conversation of what you know about it. But when you are out here just saying Oh, you're codependent, you're dependent because you were probably in an alcoholic home and when you're alcoholic home, you typically make rational decisions. You always feel like you're the you always feel like you got to take ownership of people. You always feel like you got to lead, you're going to be a better leader, but you're always going to have damage issues with men and then men are always going to look at you as an alpha, which is not going to make you that's the reason why you're not married and blah 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 and it's like um that may be your story, for example. That could be your story for why you are the way you are growing up in an alcoholic home, which has probably contributed to your success because you're always trying, you're always aware of disappointment on the horizon. And, but when you have people come on your podcast as a guest and they may say like, oh yeah, you know, my dad, like he was. You know, he was uh, kind of in the picture, but, you know, he was kind of in and out of the house. He was an alcoholic. And he's like, oh, well, then that means you're probably codependent, which is why you married at a young age, which means, like, why you value marriage more than the typical person because you know what it's like when you have an alcoholic father, which is probably why you have been sober for 20 years. It's like, or I've just been sober for 20 years because I just don't really care to drink, um, but okay. Um some people, it's different. And the problem is, I'm not even going to say the show, because I actually love the show and listen to the show. But, you know, they don't do it as much anymore on their podcasts or episodes. But, you know, they still get the hints. It's like always, it's always like trying to, it's also like trying to show how smart you are, which is a very unattractive thing. Not that it's not really about attractiveness when I say it's an unattractive thing, but it's a big turnoff in wanting to listen what you have to say because it's almost like, oh, now, like, I know why you are the way you are. It's like, meh, yeah, okay. Like, it's very important to understand and look for things to understand people, but to just say, oh, I know who you are. You don't have to tell me. I, I know you don't have to tell me. I, I just know. I've seen you. I've seen how you. I see. I've been around you, observing you for a week while we've been working together, and I just know who you are. We can never be friends because of your sign, though. It's like, oh, don't even get me started on the fucking signs. But, um, yeah, people that are out look. Stop trying to diagnose your friends. Stop trying to diagnose your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. Like, if you want to know something about someone, just ask. 
And if they don't tell you, maybe it's maybe that person just doesn't want to tell you certain things. And you know what? That's the thing you, you got to accept it well. Just because you are in proximity to someone doesn't mean you are owed to know things that contributed to why they are the way they are. People are the way they are. Why they are the way they are shouldn't really matter to you, to be pretty honest about it. They are the way they are. You diagnose, you can diagnose kind of like, all right, you diagnose their personality, being around them, what are consistent traits, inconsistent traits. But then to sit here and just spill and just to spill out someone's family history in public, for example, like, what the fuck are you doing? Seriously. It's not your business to try to figure out what someone's childhood issues are. If they want to tell you, then they'll tell you. And that's fine. But that's not your that's not your business or your prerogative to explain to everyone why someone is. The only person you the only person you have a right to talk about in that manner is yourself. And realistically, you can read all the books and all the behavioral stuff all you want. Um, chances are you probably don't even know 100% why you are the way you are. You can, you can have those like stark memories where it's like, hmm, maybe I am because I was bullied and then you were probably bullied and then it's like, all right, you can do that to yourself, I guess. But sometimes people just kind of are the way they are. Stop being out here diagnosing. It's annoying. It's ignorant. And it's also very, very dangerous. Is very dangerous. You know, it's funny how we live in. We always talk about, oh, people need to need to be more mindful of stuff they post on the internet. The people need to be more mindful of what you put out there of yourself. And you know what? I do agree with that. You should be more mindful. You shouldn't put anything out there that you're not willing to get criticized for, or anything of that matter. It drives me crazy when you see these videos. Of people who want to post, quote unquote, stuff they know is going to get a rise out of people. So they want to post controversial shit. Like there's this girl named Nicole Arbor. Um, She completely drastically fell when she actually had to do like actual stand up and shit. But she made these videos like five years ago. Somehow it came across, like I came across it on recommended and shit. It was in my algorithm. It was videos from five years ago. And I couldn't believe like... Wow, not only were these made five years ago, um, they're still up. She has she never taken them down, which I will also give praise for people not taking out old videos, even if they don't believe in that stuff anymore, just because, you know, trying to artificially erase what you once were, what you once thought is, to me, kind of dumb. Like, then you're just trying to shape an image of yourself that's not really authentic and you're trying to avoid things but teach their own but she literally had this video she literally had the videos the topic were dear fat people that was one video for example clicked on the video first thing i noticed was hmm she turned the like and dislike number so you can't see how many people liked and dislike it was like huh it's kind of a coward move and she also turned the comment section off. I could, 
I'm not for it. I can understand if you are going to do a certain type of video and you don't want the comment section to distract whatever message you're trying to portray and it saturates what from people actually listening or watching what you're doing and people are going to focus more on the comments than what you're actually doing. But the turn the like and dislike thing off to me is as cowardly as a move. If you were going to put something out in public, oh, geez, my voice cracked, kind of like the booty hole. And but if you were going to put a video out, it is the bitches move that turn off the like or dislike number for people to see. It's a coward move. It's like, oh, like you're trying to dictate how people are our perception of your video or whatever you're saying or doing. You had a video called Dear Fat People. Of course, people are going to click on it. And then you go on to say about, you know, basically shitting on fat people and them being fat is not your issue. They're taking up space, which is always funny to me when people are outlandishly like shitting on people who are overweight and fat or whatever. It's funny how people are so mad that walking past someone who's overweight or fat like him like it really ruins your day or something i never understand that even if you have your own thoughts about why people are fat and this one you just want to label someone oh they're probably fat because uh they don't have any discipline they're probably fat because they grew up in a home where uh daddy wasn't there so they ate their feelings away they were probably bullied so they reserved the food and they probably never exercise. It's like, see, shut the fuck up. And that, that's when the, when you just want to label. You just want to uh, diagnose someone. The reason why you are fat is because you blah, blah, blah. It's like, or some people just like to eat. And they could have grew up in the greatest home. And they just like to eat. Some people, yeah, you could be taught this one to an extent. Of course you could be. No, I shouldn't even say to an extent. A completely undisciplined, lazy person can become extremely disciplined and unlazy. But they have to work at it. Some people are just naturally disciplined and some people are just naturally not. And it's your choice of whether you try to better that or whether you try to maintain that. So it is a choice at the end of the day. But you were gonna, if you were going to make... Or she also had one called Dear Black People, which she just... Think she's saying complimentary things and then she just ends up sounding like a person who's actually never genuine, genuinely hung around black people or anyone outside of uh, black people at her school. Like, it's funny how you, you can always tell, by the way, you can always tell. If someone's ever actually been around a certain group of people just by how they talk, when they start saying, like, she started getting to very, um, she just started saying appropriating things that she didn't even realize. And it was five years ago, so it was before, like, it was actually, like, probably brought to the forefront. But even people, you look at the comments at the time, it's funny that she didn't turn that comment section off. That's probably the one she should have turned off, but because people comments like, you know, I clicked this video thinking I was going to see one thing and what I saw, I was more confused than ever. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, just be racist. Jesus, just say some foul shit. Like, 
if you're gonna do it, then do it. And people are just more confused, like, wait, what? Are like, I w- I would say, hey, I recommend, but I don't recommend going to see that. It's an awful, obnoxious video. And the worst part is that she really thinks that like, she's saying like God's God's word. She's just saying stereotypical things that you associate with races and stuff. She started mentioning things about long nails and eating certain foods, cookouts and stuff. Which, you know, when white people just start referring to cookouts. And they start using the word cookouts when they start reserving two words of um, apparel. When they start reserving the words of hair they may wear. Or when they start reserving the words of nails, you know, they probably don't really hang around anyone um, outside of their group of people. And it really shows when people talk about certain things. It's like, oh, yeah, you would realize that, like, they uh, there's a lot more there, but okay. But... It's just like, if you were going to make those type of videos that you know are going to be divided, you need to be able to either let there be a comment section for the d- division to for people to actually talk about it, which ironically, there's really not much division when people watch your videos because everyone just thinks you're a fucking idiot for the most part. And it's almost like, hyster- it almost looks like a parody like, and you could tell that she actually believes the shit she's saying. You could tell when people are doing things for attention and people are doing things just for clicks or views and shit. And you could tell when it's like, oh, oh no, they believe this. <laughs> They're too far in to not believe this. And it's kind of funny to watch. Um, but that also, but yeah, Nicole Arbor, she's kind of a, she's kind of a fucking idiot, but you know what? I feel like the world has put her slander. I didn't really know who she was, but apparently she's bombed on podcasts for trying to be funny and not being funny. And that's when one thing, one thing people say what they want about my show. It's completely unedited. So if it's not funny, then it's not funny. If it's funny, then it is. Problem is when you have people that do YouTube videos and they do a lot of, and I'm not saying like editing's probably better. In general, because you're making the story shorter, you're cutting out the fat. If you're doing it right, you're very, you're very mindful of people's time. You know, it's a good thing. You should edit as if you can and as much as you can. But when you heavily edit your videos, when you're talking about things, you can tell it's heavily cut. It cuts off, and then you're talking this and that. You could tell, like, oh, yeah, this video is funny, but I don't know if this person like could actually be in a group of people and talk about something and they actually be funny. Like, and that's something that she started getting exposing when she, I watched like a clip of a, I think she was on a, um, she was on a Legion of Skanks podcast or she was on like some type of podcast with other comedians and they were being nice to her. Like, did they probably respect her? But she labeled herself a comedian and said she was the funniest so they brought on the show, and they were just doing basic riffing shit. And not only could she not hang, but she uh, <laughs> she started like they she was started saying things that fell flat, and they were trying to be nice and stuff. 
and then she just out of nowhere would start getting defensive about why, why, what, you don't think my shit's funny? He's like, well, I mean, that joke wasn't funny. The other one wasn't funny, but like, what do you want? She's like, like, you want sympathy laughs? Like, nah, like, this is, there's a difference between YouTube singular videos where there's no one there and you would just, you're talking about something, you could talk for three hours and then when you edit it, cut it down to 15 to 20 minutes and you just keep the best parts that make your points good or whatever. But that doesn't mean you can actually like talk about something in real time and actually be interesting. And I think that's something with Nicole Arbor that she really got exposed in that. Is that like, yeah, like there's people that can, there's people that can do YouTube videos and be funny. And there's people that can do certain forms of content and video and they can be funny and that specific and it could be edited it can be they can edit it to make things sound to be funnier than when they actually said it they literally cut parts insert things and shit to make it funnier they make they can add sound effects they can do camera angles that make points come across more so you don't actually have to work on how you speak you don't have to work on mannerisms you don't have to work on your body language you don't have to work on which direction you're speaking like because you can edit and post in the camera angle you do zooms and it makes it like mm. when you make a corny joke you got a sound effect <laughs> i just do it as i go and there's a real there's a real thing to that like by the way i don't know what happened i never really like care about my views on youtube because most of my uh uh audience comes from the audio podcast version so i don't really focus on how many views of my podcast i get but the one the last one i did and i'm gonna be honest i kind of re-listened to it and i'm like god i said fucking like a lot like 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 i'm like jesus christ and i was like kind of annoyed by myself because my points weren't as strong my mind wasn't completely there and the subject i was talking about was very important and the stuff i was saying like you know it's what i believe but i felt like i could have done it more compact could have done it more like easier to digest not dragged it out as long but it's like almost at 200 views now. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but compared to my other videos, like, holy shit, I've got more views on this one video than I've gotten in the past, like, 40 days combined. But, so, thank y'all for the support for that. Um, now, also, but yeah. But see, like, when, but you gotta be careful when, she, she was she, the thing about Nicole Arbor that's and I watched a couple videos for her last night while I was waiting for my video to upload to my laptop, and I was just sitting there watching videos. I'm like, oh, and they were all videos from three, four, five years ago when she was more like on top, when she was like getting millions of views a video. And I think more of her recent videos, she's not even getting like a hundred thousand. I'm in no place to speak about people getting views. Like I would die for a hundred thousand views, not literally, but you know what I'm saying. Fuck myself. Um. But the drop-off, it's like, oh, because people saw through the bullshit. People saw, like, she she doesn't even, like, it seems like she talks about things that will trend her in the right direction. And I think even a couple months ago on a Candace, I saw videos, like a three-minute video, where 
she was getting quote unquote ambushed by Candace Owens, or really she wasn't getting ambushed. She was asking questions about her using Candace Owens as a focus to make a uh, point about something that didn't put Candace in a positive light. So yeah, she came on the show and she won that like. She called her out on it. She wanted to know why she did that type of shit. Like, why are you associating me with whatever it was? And then, of course, after, like, a couple minutes, like, she just started, like, trying to talk over everyone. Nicole did. She started talking over everyone. She started to say, uh, like, oh, you're putting me in a vulnerable position. This isn't right what you're doing. You're ambushing me. And there were no one was actually ambushed. Like, you could tell when a group, when people are actually trying to ambush someone in their own environment, which... Compared to other things I've seen, like, but in this situation, there I did, I did like again, um, but in this situation, they were actually very, Candace Owens and the group of people that were on the show were actually very respectful and letting her speak and actually not ambushing her because she wasn't even asked in a derogatory way. She brought it up, referenced very specifically what she's referring to, and of course, she got very defensive. Very defensive because she probably knew that what she was doing she got called out on it and typically when you're in a very protected youtube space where you make videos where it's just you and the camera you have much more you know courage you have much more um you have much more audacity really to just feel like you can say things with no consequence type of thing and she you could kind of tell with how she talks in videos especially older videos she wants to attack all these very Videos that she knows is going to attack a very, very uh, sensitive subject, or they're going to they're going to be racially motivated in a sense, or they're going to be very um, attacking very specific things about people that hit home for people, and you don't want to deal with the backlash of that. So you want all the smoke, you want you want all the cake, but you don't want people to. Throw it back at you, even though you just dropped 20 cakes on the sidewalk on people. But then when they try to come back and get payback on you and try to beat your ass, you're like, what are you doing? Then you call the police to defend yourself, you fucking cunt. Like, that's kind of like the comparison you're trying to, like, that's the analogy I'm using for you to try to, you're trying to swim off people. And it's cowardly. Turn off your likes, turning off how many likes and dislike ratio Turning off how many comments, turning off people commenting on your video when you were going to do very videos that you did strictly for attention, that you did that you would know would get a rise out of people, and then you were going to play the, oh, no, I got to protect my energy, I got to protect my, ah, oh, oh, now you got to protect your energy, huh? It's funny. See, you got to be careful, and I don't want to quantify the girls specifically, because there'll be dudes that do the same shit, but when you start using unquantifiable words that no one can really dispute what you're feeling or saying, but when you start using non-quantifiable words to justify uh, outward, egregious, and shitty behavior, that is when, to me... I'm just like, all right. It's like, because what I'm going to say, like, oh. It's like, because the comment section makes me very depressed. Like, well, you know what? If comment section on your videos make you that damn depressed, you probably shouldn't post videos 
that have any possibility of having shitty comments. Or you probably just shouldn't post videos at all, to be honest. Because you want all the attention, but you just want nothing but positive attention. You want to be one of those people like, I only want positive vibes around me. I only want people around me who are going to make me better. But see, your idea of making you better could be just a bunch of yes men or yes women. Just a bunch of people kissing your ass because they kind of get a percentage of the payoff fiscally or uh, emotionally of whatever you accomplish. Instead of people that actually may have your best interest at heart to what you're actually doing, if it's going to contribute to whatever the fuck you're trying to do. So, moral of the story is, um, don't put anything out there that you're not willing for backlash. Just don't. Don't put anything out there if you're not willing to deal with whatever may come with that. That's just the reality. Oh, also, this is, right, this is a random subject kind of thing, but it's pretty well known. So, um, one of Dr. Dre's daughters, um, is apparently living out of a rental car. She's basically homeless, without saying homeless. She's basically homeless, however you want to put it. She's 38 years old. Apparently, she has four kids. Now, I'm not going to get personal or nothing. Like, you know, I don't want to... I'm not really in that business of getting personal, judging her for having four kids. Now, I don't know if they're all from the same dad. I'm going to say probably not because if they're all from the same dad, typically when two people have four kids together, um, there's at least some type of stability there. I um, And apparently her kids are living with friends. So, but that's neither here nor there. But the funny part is, so in the article, the source of the article, whatever, it, it tries to paint her in a victim light because she is Dr. Dre's daughter and he's a billionaire. And he's not giving her any more support because I believe he cut her off back in 2020 and she can't. And now she's actually working, you know, jobs that she probably didn't have to work before. She's, I believe she's like, oh, I'm working three jobs. I'm doing DoorDash. I'm doing this. She, you know, she's basically doing citizen stuff that citizens do uh, to make money, to get by, to support their children, to support themselves. Um, and, you know, people are having a lot of sympathy for her, believe it or not. I think most people, actually, I think most people are kind of like, man, like, yeah, she's 38, has four kids, hasn't created any stability for those kids. Hasn't even, it's not like they're living in a house and then she's about to get her house foreclosed because she's struggling. Like, no, she hasn't had any stability for her family. They were living out of a rental. She basically gave her kids to a friend so they can actually live in a place. And one... One thing I noticed is she was still living in California and she can't afford an apartment. It's like, well, step one, um, move to a state where you can afford, because obviously you can't afford California, 
which is understandable. A lot of people can't. There's no shame in that, right? I'm going to get to the Dr. Dre aspect in a second. But I'm just going to lay the foundation of my opinion on things that reason why I struggle to have like sympathy for her. I will always have sympathy for women trying to support their kids, even when the situations are ideal, but they're trying to make the best of it. I will always have I'll always have respect and sympathy to like sympathy for lack of a better word. Um, I'll always have the ultimate respect for that. Regardless of whatever your situation, whether you're a single mom, whether you're married, divorced, if you were out here trying to do his best for your children, trying to provide them a better life, a better place for stability, like I will respect you no matter what, right? But if you can't afford where you live, you should probably try to move. Because you live in one of the most expensive places in America. Typically, people that live there have money. And if you don't have money, you were the very. The thing about California, from my understanding, is that you were either beyond rich out there or. It's like poverty. And then you got skid row below poverty. Like there's there's obviously a middle class. But it's not. It, it looks different than middle class. In middle America. Or really anywhere else in America. It's different. Right. But. One. Move. move swallow your pride. Um, and move somewhere. That's. Cheaper. And realistic. You have four kids. I'm not going to say or tell a woman what to do with their kids, but apparently you know them living with other people because you don't have a place to live. And the thing that makes it weird about this is people are, oh, Dr. Dre's a billionaire. Why can't he just provide her the simple needs? Like, why can't he just put a down payment for a place for her to live and her kids? Because that means he doesn't care about the grandchildren, all this stuff is like, um, for one, because she's 38 years old, she has four children of her own, and she, unfortunately, she has probably, and I'm going to make a generalization here, but typically, when you have a very, very rich, in her case, very, very rich father, even if you are a independent person, independent woman, in the back of your head, if all fails, you can go and attack things with an aggressive tenacity to accomplish and have no fear of failure because you can know in the back of your head that if you fall flat on your face, there's a security blanket, there's a net. I'm not talking about his worth. Ha ha. Had to fit in a pun sometime this episode. But the unfortunate reality is she has probably, and apparently he cut off any giving her money, cutting off supporting her like in 2020. So that means she he was supporting financially a 36, a 37-year-old woman. 
his daughter. Who has four children. And that's probably the only reason he probably kept supporting. Because she had four children. Now the question should be. If you have four children. You probably shouldn't have had four children. Before you even could support half of them. Because I don't think this is a situation where if she only had two children, she would be okay. Um, it's the, oh, he had, he stopped supporting me. He stopped giving me money. So my kids are going to starve. My kids can't eat. And of course, no one's going to be like, oh, damn, that's a you problem that your kids can eat. People are always going to feel sympathy when children who have nothing to do with parents' bad decision making or their situation in life. People are always going to feel bad. For the children. So it's one of those things when you just say, oh, for the children, it's kind of like one of those non-quantifiable things. Like, no one's going to be like, ah, fuck the children. Nah, let them starve. It's like, nah. But if you know, like, in the article, the way the wording was, it was making her seem like a victim in this situation. I'm going to be very careful when I talk about this. Um... I typically don't like talking about gossip and shit, but I don't think this is really gossip. I think this is kind of a microcosm of how a lot of people view the reality of situations, the reality of how these things operate these days. Um, people, it's funny when people have kids and they genuinely feel like that they have elevated to a higher meaning in society just because they are a mother or father like they've like their needs go above every just about anyone else's because they have a child now it's like yeah you made choices to have children which means only you are responsible are obligated legally and in all facets, to provide for your children. If anyone helps in the process, that's great. And that's a bonus. You know, there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And there's probably, there really is a lot of truth to that. You know, it's not one person can realistically raise a child and them actually be normal. There's a reason why two, parent, two parents in a household are very important. But... Not really going to even talk about that because I don't even know the situation with whoever the fathers of the children are because obviously they're not in the picture. Otherwise, I feel like there would at least be a place the kids could live, like stability-wise. But the saddest part of all this is that somehow some people are still finding a way that this is Dr. Dre's fault. All right, let's break this down, right? When is it as a parent that your that your kids or your children, even though they're not children anymore, but they're technically your children, when is it where they actually have to start living the ramifications of their decision making? Not just, oh, I made bad decisions and acknowledging it. But you actually have to live the life that you have created for yourself for better or worse. Your decision makings. Until you actually feel what your decision making has caused you, you're not really going to feel like you made bad decisions. And that's when you have people that are out here just feeling like 
they can do no wrong and that no matter what they do, there's no real consequences. They know what society thinks about decisions they make, but they don't actually feel it. And we shouldn't be in a shaming culture or shaming people for things not working out or nothing like that. But you need to be able to acknowledge that you're in the situation you're in at a certain point in your life because you've made choices that would even when shit hits the fan, this is the reality of your situation. And the reality is Dr. Dre just got wiped. And I know people are like, oh, but he can afford it. It's like he won that divorce because he's only given 300000 a month instead of two instead of two million like she was asking. It's like, yeah, that's still three hundred thousand dollars a fucking month to someone who didn't want to be with you. She's the one that filed the divorce. Now her reasonings or maybe he well, we all know he cheated, whatever the fuck. But you know, oh he was abused like of course all of a sudden when you're divorced, all of a sudden people become the most abusive people in history. All of a sudden all of a sudden, the people that you laid with and were happy with for 26 years all of a sudden turned to the worst person in the world in the courts. It's crazy how that always seems to work. It can never just be like, hey, he's not a bad person, but, you know, it just didn't work out. Like, it's always, we got to make this person seem like the worst person in the world. And that's what happens when you live in a winning culture instead of a honest culture. Because lawyers are paid for you to win because when you win... You get more money. When you get more money, you have more money to pay them. So, of course, like, that's one thing. Like, I don't think I could ever be a lawyer. Like, well, obviously, because you have to be reading all the time and shit. You have to be smart and actually give a shit about a lot of that shit. And to be honest, if I knew that my, my client, like... If my client was being charged for murder, right? I'm sitting there defending her. And I find evidence that's uh, pretty OJ clear that uh, she did it. I don't think I could sit there and just keep defending her and letting someone that murdered her husband. Who had three kids that are not going to have a father anymore. Just because she's my client. I don't think I could do that. I really don't. Uh, sorry, call me the moral police, but you know, I just I believe in right is right, wrong is wrong. But this dude, he got wiped out for three hundred thousand dollars a month. Fine, whatever. He can afford it. That's what people. Oh, he can afford it. Doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, I can afford a lot of things. Um, I just, you know, it's not necessary. But I remember when, at first, when she was demanding $2 million a month, she was demanding one of, like, it was like $300,000 of the $2 million, stating out why she deserves $2 million, just because $300,000 will go to to charity, for charity. $300,000 a month, supposedly, she would have given to charity, right? His wife, ex-wife. Well, it seems like your daughter's charity. So maybe that's what she was referring to. Now that I think about it, maybe 
the daughter was charity. And maybe the wife knew Dr. Dre. This would be the only way their daughter could actually be able to support the children is by getting it from Dr. Dre and divorce and money. And then she could give it to her. Obviously, I'm kind of joking there. No, like she really did say it was for charity, but I don't think it was for their daughter. Well, it's funny on everyone's just like, oh, Dr. Dre won't give her money to support. It's like, yeah, it's called being a parent. What are you doing enabling someone to always know that no matter what, no matter what decisions you make, I'll bail you out, right? That doesn't teach them anything. It actually does the opposite. It makes them continue bad decision making. You have four kids and you're 38 years old. Like, you should have gotten out of the mindset of someone bailing you out a long time ago. But it's funny how, no, Dr. Dre's wife's getting through. Why didn't she give 20000 of that a month there? Even 10000 would help. How come no one's going after her to give back? But see, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, much earlier than 38, like, you know, if you want to help them out, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think you could get mad if you, if someone doesn't help you out, like, it's their money. He worked for it. earned it. What message is he send you when you're 38 years old that, oh, it's like, oh, now you all of a sudden give a shit about providing for your kids? But, you know what? What the fuck do I know? All right. That was episode 35 of the Off and Beat podcast. And the only reason why I'm ending it now is because on the video it says I only have three minutes left. And I do not feel like going through that. But yeah, uh, subscribe and like the vid. Appreciate the support on the last vid. We're going to be like 200 views if it's not already there. Jesus. You know, hopefully this one. But yeah, moral of the story, quick review of the show. Nicole Arbor sucks. Um, stop labeling people like you're an armchair expert. Um, stop, stop diagnosing people. You're not a fucking doctor. And even a random doctor on the street shouldn't diagnose you unless you pay for it or you ask them. Unless someone asks you your opinion on something about them and their behaviorals, shut the fuck up about it. And uh, lastly, um, Dr. Dre's daughter, I hope for your kids that you find a stable place for you know all you that finally, because I don't even think she may be a bad mother, like a specific mother. But the situation you're in, probably should have thought about before you decided to have four kids. Um, but yeah, you know, best of luck to her, genuinely. I wasn't trying to show on her, just, you know, just kind of even, just bringing some context. Alright guys, have a great day. Probably post this Saturday, maybe. Yeah, enjoy. Oh yeah, suck some titties. Oh, yeah.